Lord God, thank you. Thank you, Father, for your love that goes beyond our understanding, for your love that reaches us in the places that we would prefer to keep hidden from anyone. God, I'm so grateful that you love us far beyond what we deserve, far beyond what we have sense to ask for. God, your love is overwhelming. It's healing. It's sufficient. So Lord, would you continue to surround us by your love, continue to help us to not only receive your love, but share your love with a world who desperately, that desperately needs to be loved. Thank you, God, for every song that has been sung already this morning, for every prayer that's been lifted up for you, to you, God. And I, I thank you now for this moment that we have to open up your word together and to be reminded of your love. Help us, God, regardless of how we came into this room, to be transformed even more into your likeness. We love you today, Father. We're grateful that you first loved us. So be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. For all God's people would say amen. 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 Good morning, Sanctuary. I say that again, you didn't hear me. My mic's maybe not on. Good morning, Sanctuary. All right. All right. I thought I was in the wrong church. Jeez. My name is Edrin, senior pastor here at the Sanctuary. Um, and if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I look forward to getting that opportunity soon. I want to take a moment to, and again, thank you for being here. Uh, there are so many other places you could be this morning. Um, so many other fine churches around the Twin Cities, um, and so many things beyond church you could be doing this morning. And so I don't take it for granted that when I finish praying that there will actually be people there uh, in those seats. So thank you for being here this morning. I hope that it would be a blessing to you and that you would continue to come and to invite others to be a part of what God is doing here um, at this place that we call Sanctuary, in this place that we call Sanctuary. We have been in a series for the last uh, four weeks, this is week five, uh, called An Altar in the City, An Altar in the City. Um, it has been an opportunity for us to uh, try to dig a little bit deeper into what does it mean for us to be an urban church. When we say that we are an urban church, what does that actually mean? More specifically, when we say we are a North Minneapolis church, what do we actually mean about that? And so over the last four weeks, we, uh, your teaching team, have been uh, shaping sort of a theology of the city for us. And we've been framing it in a series of we believe statements. In week one, I started the series off by reminding us or, or saying to us that we believe that God is present and active in North Minneapolis. We believe that God is present and active in North Minneapolis. We looked at the story of our brother Jacob, and I encouraged us to come to a place spiritually where we can cry out the way that Jacob did in the book of Genesis, that surely the Lord is in this place. 
It's easy for us to go to retreat centers out in greater Minnesota or in places like British Columbia like I did a few a year ago and know that God is present and active there. But what does it mean for us right here in the heart of the city to be able to say that surely the Lord is in this place? In week two, I reminded us that as we press forward as an urban church, as a church here in North Minneapolis, we must earn and maintain trust in North Minneapolis, that communities like this one have heard many of the things we've say, we're saying before, and many of them have a serious distrust for institutions. And so despite our good intentions, there will be many who will be distrustful of us. And so I encourage us to earn and maintain trust here in North Minneapolis. In week three, Pastor Rose reminded us that liberation is central to our life and witness in North Minneapolis. As we work and live in this community, we have to be about the work of liberation ourselves and about liberating others in the way that Jesus did. And then last week, our sister Tara reminded us that we believe that this community of young people, both the youth of this church and the youth of this community, are our collective responsibility. She warned us about taking a premature approach that says, as for me and my house. She said, many of us have not earned the right to get to that place yet. That we have to do the work of seeing the children of this community and this church as our collective responsibility. One of the beauties of the gospel is that it calls us to not just our nuclear family, but a new, redeemed, multi-ethnic family with Jesus at the center. And our children are our collective responsibility. Amen. And today, as we wrap up this series, An Altar in the City, I want us to see together that we believe that we are partners with God in the rebuilding of North Minneapolis and in the building of the New Jerusalem. We believe that we are partners with God in rebuilding North Minneapolis and in the building of the New Jerusalem. It's been about four months since I became senior pastor here at the sanctuary. And even though I have served this church for eight years collectively, there has been a lot of learning and growing over these last four plus months. I've done a lot of learning and growing alongside our staff team, trying to figure out how we adjust and lead in this new season. I've done a lot of learning and growing alongside our elder board as we learn what it means to shepherd our congregation well in this season. I've done a lot of learning and growing alongside our ministry leaders and our volunteer teams, figuring out what it means to serve well in this season. And I have done a lot of learning and growing alongside many of you as individual members, wrestling with what God is calling you to be in this season as well. And a part of my calling as your pastor that has become even more clear for me over these four months is the need to help you to follow Jesus beyond your ability to rationalize. Part of my calling as your pastor that has become more clear to me over these four months is the need to help you to follow Jesus beyond your ability to rationalize. A part of my calling is to help you to journey with Jesus beyond the need to see exactly where things are headed, beyond the need to know perfectly how each part adds up, and beyond the need to understand precisely what it will cost each of you in terms of time, energy, effort, and resource 
to get where we are going. You see, one of the blessings of sanctuary is that we are an educated church. Nearly 80% of our church has at least a bachelor's degree, and many have advanced degrees beyond that. And it is a blessing to, be, to, to get an education. Education is a blessing. I'm a learner myself, constantly learning and growing, and education was one of the ways that God took me from that small town, that small, poor country town where I grew up, and brought me to the place where I am today. So don't hear this as an anti-education message. But sometimes when we're smart, it gets in our way. And we force God into a box telling God he has to prove God's self before we will move anywhere. And so a part of my calling in this season is to help us to follow Jesus beyond our ability to rationalize. You see, for many of us, including many of us in this room, it's natural to want to look ahead and see every potential twist and turn and see how the thing plays out perfectly in the end, and then we'll decide to take step number one. For some of you, that's what it means to follow Jesus. But if you need to see how things turn out before you take the first step, we can't honestly call that faith. Dr. King is quoted as saying, faith is taking the first step even when you can't see the whole staircase. And the foundational part of my work as your pastor is to bring us as a congregation to a place of not just studying Jesus, but following Jesus wherever he leads. A young man living in New York City woke up one afternoon to a terrifying situation. He had fallen asleep trying to warm his apartment with the small portable heater, and somehow it sparked a fire, and the fire spread into the apartment, around the apartment. This young man's neighbors saw smoke, and they, they, smelt, they, they sensed that there was a fire, and, and he, they began to bang on his door, and they began to scream out his name, hoping that he would get out of the apartment. As this young man woke up, fear and panic began to set in, and he realized that the smoke and the fire made it impossible for him to see. He could not see his way out. And every time he opened his eyes, the smoke caused them to burn profusely, and he thought that this was the end for him. But after a few minutes, this young man heard fire sirens. And shortly after that, he heard the voice of a female firefighter breaking through the confusion and the fear. And she said to him, I need you to listen to my voice and come towards me. He screamed out to her, I, I can't. I, I can't see. The, the smoke is too heavy. The fire is too hot. I can't see my way out. And this lady's voice responded calmly, I'm going to keep talking to you. Wrap your shirt around your face to cover your eyes and just follow me. Follow my voice. And she kept talking to him. And he took small steps towards her voice. The smoke was everywhere. He was surrounded by fire. The fear was riding his back. But this young man kept, kept, kept listening for that voice. And he kept taking small steps. He didn't take great big steps. He didn't take very confident steps. But he simply closed his eyes, he listened for the voice, and he kept taking the next small step. That man made it out of that apartment that day, 
in part because he realized that seeing was good, but in that moment, listening and responding to that voice was even more important. Brothers and sisters, as we walk with God, we will come to many moments where, where our sight and our understanding are at best insignificant. And as we grow with God, God will routinely bring us to places where, where, we, where we have to declare, if we're honest, Lord, I, I just don't see it. I, I, I'm looking, I'm trying, but it just doesn't make sense. And, and while what God is calling us to might not fit in our boxes or our concepts, sometimes it's God reminding us that he is not bound by the things that bind us. Preach, Pastor Edrick. God's not bound by what we're able to see. God's not bound by what we're able to understand. God is not bound even by what we're able to articulate. The Apostle Paul tried to help us to see this when in the middle of one of his letters to the, book, to the church at Ephesus, Paul breaks out a prayer of praise saying, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I, we may ask, think, or imagine. Paul offers this praise, of, of, of praise to God whose goodness, he says, is not limited by our ability to ask for it. It's not limited by our ability to make sense of it. God's goodness is not limited even by our ability to imagine it. Brothers and sisters, if we could begin to see God that way, it's not being limited by our ability to ask, think, or imagine. We would have much less trouble seeing God as a God who uses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. We would have much less trouble seeing God as a God who uses the foolish and unsophisticated things of this world to shame the wise. And we would have no problem seeing God as a God who is able to take the little things that we do and weave them together into the more glorious works of his hand. Our big idea today is simply this. Every small, faithful step that we take is a part of God's larger redeeming work. If you're taking notes, that's, that's what you need to write down. If your, your neighbor is asleep, like elbow them, wake them up, tell them he's finally gotten to the good part. Every small and faithful step that we take is a part of God's larger redeeming work. There was a young pastor who received a call to serve a historic all-white congregation in a small town outside of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That church was not only small, it was a dying church. And many within the denomination assumed that this young pastor had been brought to this church so he could see the church through its final stages, so he could see them towards closing its doors. But that pastor didn't get the memo. And he didn't know that he was sent there to help the church close its doors. And so this, this young man committed himself to serving that church in the best way he knew how. He prayed for that church, and he taught that church as if his life depended on it. And one day in his prayer time, that pastor felt like God was telling him to begin to preach to his church about racial reconciliation. This was an all-white church. This was an elderly southern church. This was a dying church, and this church was in the backwoods of Louisiana, y'all. Every rational argument 
pointed to the fact that this was a bad idea, that this burden, w- but this burden would not leave this young man. And so this young man decided in that moment, I've just got to trust God. This was the late 90s. And he began to study and pray and preach and pray and teach and pray. And everything that he talked about, racial reconciliation was at the core of his teaching. The church thought that he was crazy. They pushed back against him. His colleagues, his pastoral colleagues told him, dude, if you don't cut it out, you're going to be fired for sure. But for close to seven years, this pastor kept reminded this old white congregation in the backwoods of Louisiana that racial reconciliation was core to God's heart. The people didn't get it. In fact, he barely even got it. But this young pastor chose to trust God. In 2006, Hurricane Katrina came aboard the shores of Louisiana. It was one of the worst storms in American history. And nearly the entire city of New Orleans was left underwater. So the governor of Louisiana ordered an evacuation, and hundreds of thousands of residents of the city made their way to places like Texas and Houston, to places like Mississippi and Alabama and other southern states. But some stayed closer to home, and and they, 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 they left the city and went out into the small Louisiana towns. And one of the places that those people settled was this small Louisiana town where this pastor had been praying and teaching and preaching about something that seemed so irrelevant for him and his people. Within one week of Hurricane Katrina, the population in this small town grew by 50,000 people. And most of them were black and brown people. That congregation sprung into action. While so many in the town were, were angry that these people had come to our town, this pastor and this congregation were ready and they welcomed people and, and they helped people and they fed people and they gave clothes to people and they invited those people into their house of worship. I don't know how long they stayed in that small town. And I don't know if any of them maintain contact to this day, but the pastor's actions in this moment remind me that every small faithful step that we take is a part of God's larger redeeming work. Every small faithful step that we take fits somehow even miraculously, into the large, larger redeeming work that God is doing. And so the question for you today, Sanctuary, is what is your small, faithful step? What is that small, faithful step that God is calling you to? Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's on your job. Maybe it's in your relationships. But I believe that God is calling each and every person in this room to a small, faithful step. God may be nudging you right now, saying, Pastor Edrin, get out of my business, saying that that you need to be doing something, taking one small step that seems insignificant and that seems random. Maybe you're holding off on doing that thing because you can't see how that small step makes any difference in any particular way. But let me remind you today as I get in your business, every small faithful step we take is a part of God's larger redeeming work. Every small thing that we do is a part of God making all things new. So sanctuary, what is your small faithful step? My assignment today 
is to make you uncomfortable doing nothing. I want you to pay attention. Pay attention to that small faithful step that God has put on your heart because every small faithful step is a part of God's larger redeeming work. And this is not just true on a personal level. This is also true on a communal level. And so I'm asking us to consider together as a church, what is the next small faithful step that God is calling us to? As we consider how we might exist and serve here in North Minneapolis, I want to encourage us this morning to see that every small faithful step is a part of God's larger redeeming work. I want us to see that as a church, as we seek to serve this community, that the small things that we do in this season are a part of something larger and more beautiful that God is doing in this community and around the world. It might seem insignificant. It might even seem random this morning. But I want you to know it, it, it even might not seem as coordinated as you would like it to be. But if we'll take the next small faithful step, God will use that small faithful step to bring about transformation and to accomplish his greater will. If, if you know the story of sanctuary, we're here by God's grace and because of some small faithful steps. In 2003, Pastor Ephraim started a church in North Minneapolis when most ministry experts were already advising churches to go out to the suburbs. That's a small faithful step. It, they decided when the church grew quickly to a thousand people to stay in North Minneapolis when they could have easily like dropped some parts of the mission statement and then become this huge mega church out in the suburbs. But they chose to stay in North Minneapolis. That was and committed to North Minneapolis. That was a small fateful step when the church decided to build. And we could have gotten some property, some other places, and, and probably done more with our money. We decided to purchase right here on this corner that, that, that the police inspector calls the worst corner he's ever seen in his 28 years of ministry. That was a small, fateful step. And when we minister every day, showing up on the block, building relationships with people who have been cast aside by sometimes their family and by society, when, when we pick up trash and when we 30 minutes later go back to the same spot and pick up more trash, when we encourage folks to take care of the community, and when we run towards accidents and run towards fights, when we stand with families who are affected by violence, when we serve hot dogs after a gang fight because we, we know God has simply called us to be present here somehow, when, when we tell people and show people that they, they, they are loved by God until they believe it, brothers and sisters, those are simply small faithful steps that we carry out believing that they are a part of God's larger redeeming work. I'm so grateful for our staff team, for Amy and Andrea, Pastor Rose and Tara and Tyler and Jeremy, for the faithful small steps that they take every single day. I'm so grateful for our elders, for the small, faithful steps that they take every day. I'm so grateful for many of you who are volunteering and serving, taking small, faithful steps every day. I know that many days those small steps seem far too small. 
And those, those steps seem way too insignificant. And I know that many days we can leave this place wondering if we're making any difference at all. But right there in the wondering, right there in your questioning, I pray that the Holy Spirit will remind you that every small faithful step is a part of God's larger redeeming work. And I pray that the Spirit will give us the energy, as my grandmother would say, to keep on keeping on. So I ask us, sanctuary, what is the next small faithful step that God is calling us to as a church? As we serve faithfully in this neighborhood, on this corner, I know for sure that our next small faithful step is a part of God's larger redeeming work, a part of God's work of making all things new. And as we lend our hands to rebuilding this community, we're also taking part in building the new Jerusalem, God's holy city. You see, God is building a holy city. Isaiah tells us about it. And as we work here in North Minneapolis, we can be encouraged to know that our small, faithful work is not unrelated to God's greater work. Amen. Every small, faithful step is a part of God's larger redeeming work. And when Isaiah paints this picture of a new Jerusalem, he talks about the public celebrations of joy and peace. He talks about children and elderly people being cared for. He talks about there being housing for all people. He talks about systems of support being built to take care of people. And he talks about a day when violence will come to an end. You see, Isaiah paints a picture of a restored city of Jerusalem that God's people would return to after captivity. But Isaiah also points us beyond that moment to a day when Jesus would come again and usher in a time of a holy city where there would be no more tears, no more death, no more violence. Everything that has, has, had been upon us as a, a punishment since the fall would pass away. That is the vision that Isaiah was also pointing us towards. And so my brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you today to remember that every small faithful step we take is a part of God's larger redeeming work. And if you ever find yourself caught up in that larger redeeming work wondering, what can I actually do? I I don't know what I'm actually supposed to do. The reminder is simply this. Take that one small faithful step. That's all you have to do. And trust God with the rest. So sanctuary, what is our next small faithful step? What is the next small faithful thing that God is calling us to? That's a good question. And I'm not going to answer it for us today. But I want to encourage you to be praying with me and believing with me that we as a congregation are poised to take our next small faithful step step. And I believe a part of that next small faithful step includes continuing the work of transforming this corner, making it into a place of peace and hope and healing, making it a community gathering place, making it, as our name says, a sanctuary. November 2017, we held our first service in this building. And I remember it like it was yesterday. 
I remember the joy of after many years building, uh, setting up on Sundays and tearing down and trying to make schools fit our needs. I remember being able to walk into this building and say, wow, this is ours. Nobody could kick us out at 1.30, except for Andrea. She still kicks us out from time to time. But finally, we had something that we could call our own. And these last two years here on the corner of Broadway and Aldridge have been a time of learning and learning and learning and growing and growing and growing. And some tears have been shed as we have learned what it means to be able to serve this community well. And after two years now, we have a clearer sense of what it would require for us to serve this community well. And over the next few weeks, we want to lay out a vision for you of what that would look like. And I want to invite you to be praying. And I want to invite you to be believing, knowing that every small step we take, whatever that next small faithful step is, knowing that it's a part of God's larger redeeming work. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you have called us to be your people. God, I'm grateful for Pastor Ephraim over 16 years ago, having a vision of planting an urban, multi-ethnic, reconciling church in the heart of North Minneapolis. And I'm so grateful, God, for every small, faithful step that he took to lead us to this moment. And I'm so grateful for all those who served alongside him over the years, other pastors and staff members. And then, God, I'm grateful for the way you brought Pastor Dennis here. Allow him to shepherd us, and to be a spiritual father to many of us, and to lead us into this space, helping us to know what it means to love your word and to live as a group of disciples committed to making other disciples. And God, as we launch into season 3.0, I'm so grateful that we again get to ask you, God, Lord, where are you leading us? And what will it require of us? So, God, I pray for every brother and sister who calls sanctuary home, that over these next few weeks we might imagine together what you're calling us to. God, I pray that we would trust you beyond our ability to rationalize, that we will trust you even if we can't see it all right now, that we will trust that you are good and that you are not limited by the things that limit us. Father, we love you. And we pray, God, that you would remind us how much you love us as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.